0: Hi, everyone. This is Steven. Welcome in this new podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, this is a special one. In, in the last few weeks, I made four small videos on my YouTube channel about customer experience in the age of AI platforms. But we thought it would be interesting for the listeners of the podcast to listen to all four of those videos in, in a row. It's going to take about 15 to 20 minutes, so it's pretty short. Um, But you will hear that I'm always talking about in this new video, I talk about this or that. But uh, no worries, it's because we just wanted to make this for you and I just wanted to welcome you in this new podcast. Thanks for listening. Personally, I'm a real believer that at the end of this S-curve, when AI is more mature than today, that most consumers will have like a omnipresent, personalized, always available AI platform that will help us in many tasks of our day-to-day life. Uh, I know we're not there yet today, but I'm trying to build scenarios for the future and I made made four videos about that. This one is about trust. Um, One of the questions I get a lot, both from businesses and from from consumers, is is the question, will people actually trust algorithms to take over parts of their day-to-day life? Uh, The short answer that I give them is yes. Um, I'm personally convinced that that will happen. Uh, There's research about that. Uh, Harvard uh, published a study recently that showed that people actually trust algorithms more than they think they do. So our perception is often different than reality if you look at our behavior. And I just wanted to invite you to to look at your own behavior. Uh, Let's take navigation systems. Uh, Back in 2001, I had a navigation system and it helped me to get to places, but it only had like a 50% hit rate. So the machine was only right in half of the cases. Which is a disaster. Let's be honest. Humans back then had a hit rate of 85%, which means that if I was driving back then to a certain location and the navigation system told me to take, to to go straight ahead and my wife that was sitting next to me, she said, you need to take a right turn here. I listened to my wife because she had a hit rate of 85% and the machine only had one of 50%. Today in 2019, navigation systems have like a hit rate of 99.9%. Humans, still have a hit rate of 85%. So today the situation is different. If I'm driving somewhere and the machine says it's straight ahead, but my wife tells me I need to take a right turn, today I need to listen to the machine. And I can live with the consequences of that. Once the algorithm delivers at a 99.9% hit rate, we tend to trust it and use it all over again. Ask yourself the question, will you one day get into a driverless car? If the answer to that is yes, you actually are willing to put your lives in the hands of an of a algorithm. So if you think about putting your life in the hands of an algorithm, how easy will it become to order toothpaste or toilet paper through an algorithm that knows the kind of products that you want? Once it delivers, we trust it. And I know some of you some of you are, are disagreeing right now and are like, no, 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 no. I will not trust algorithms to rule my life and to control my life. I'm a critical thinker. I will take care of everything myself. Uh, and maybe that's true. I'm, I'm sure that some of you are really like that. But still, I wonder how many of you are like going to page two of a Google search or page 10 of a Google search when you look for a certain kind of information. Most of us never get there. Why? Because we know that like the first five links that that machine is giving us is exactly the kind of information that we need. And that machine has been doing that for the last 20 years in a very good and accurate way. And because of that, we trust that machine. So imagine that you have that same level of accuracy, the 99.9% accuracy levels in some of the day-to-day applications that you have today, like driving, like finding the love of your life, like buying toothpaste and toilet paper. Will you trust that algorithm in a few years from now? I'm convinced that the answer is yes. So, you know, in your organization, if, if you're like running against barriers to invest in AI and one of those barriers is people will not trust that for God knows which reason. I'm on the other side, I'm in the other camp. I'm convinced that once the algorithm delivers that we will trust it and we will use it. I would like to talk about the impact AI platforms could have on branding and the way that you go to market with your products. Uh, Just imagine this, at the end of the next S-curve, I'm convinced that the end game will be that we will have a always available, omnipresent, personalized AI platform that helps us in our day-to-day activities. And those day-to-day activities can be purchases, uh, but it can also be education, it can be mobility, it can be healthcare. Uh, Maybe it will be about finding the love of your life. But let's focus in this episode about what it could mean for your day-to-day purchases. Just imagine that you have a system that is like in an automated way following up on, on the progress and, and the usage patterns that you have with your day-to-day products. Food, beverage, uh, personal hygiene products, products that you use to, to keep your house clean, you know, the, the kind of products that all of us buy every month. Maybe we buy 100 of those products every single month. And we need to go to the, stock, to the store and buy it all over and over again. What if you could have like a subscription to those products that they come to your house in an automated way, just like electricity and Internet is coming to your house today. You don't have to worry about it. It just happens. And the algorithm knows what you want and when you need it. I'm convinced that that would be a fantastic service for, for many, many people. But I'm also convinced that this will fundamentally change the way that we do branding and the way that we go to market because it means that we're moving into a world of automated commerce, outsourced commerce, predictive commerce, I don't know what the term will be, but it's a system where you actually outsource the decision making and the purchasing to a machine. Um, The day that that happens, there will be three kinds of brands in this world. You will have a very strong brand, and I will love that brand so much that I will tell the machine every single time that I'm out of toothpaste, I want you to buy Colgate because I'm a huge fan of Colgate. That's, of course, the best position to be in as a brand where company, where users specifically ask for that brand. That, that's the best situation. Other brands will be in a situation where I, as a customer, I will not ask for them, but the machine will recommend them because that product has a real strong, value. It's a a good product, it's good price quality, people appreciate it, the reviews are positive, so it will get through the AI filter to me as a consumer. That's the second best situation to be in. The truth is we're also going to have a bunch of brands that will get filtered out because they don't add enough value in the life of a consumer, because their price quality is not good enough, and their access to customers may be cut off by by a machine, and in the past, you know, you could use mass advertisement to, to get through the filter. Today it's very difficult to get through the filter through traditional advertising. The only way to get through the filter is by delivering a higher standard in, in products or by a stronger brand identity. So people ask for you. So if you look at these three scenarios and, and if you think about what could happen in the future, in my opinion, there's like this window of opportunity for brands now and it will take maybe three, five, max seven years to, to position themselves in one of those top layers. So I think the, the, the main challenge for brands is to really get into that emotional level of branding to make sure that people really identify with you and that they really know what the strengths of your brands are so that they explicitly ask for you. And it only will take a few more years to get to that. And if you fail to do that, there's a big chance that many of your brands will get filtered out in uh, in the next phase of AI, in the second half of the AI curve. And I think this is a perfect moment to fundamentally rethink the way that we go to market and fundamentally rethink the way that we do marketing, less in the tactics, probably more into the emotions. This episode is about how ethics will become crucial in a world of AI platforms. Just imagine that you as a marketing person have the power to personalize almost everything you can about a product or a service based on the knowledge that you have about a consumer. And I'm not just talking about the behavior of the past, but what if you can, you know, estimate the mood of someone and adapt your prices or your communication to that. You know, in my opinion, this will become the temptation island for marketing people. The the, the temptation will be so high to take advantage of certain technologies and make sure that you you optimize your profits and that the consumer will never find out. I think this will be extremely, extremely tempting and this will be one of the key challenges in the next decade to to deal with in, uh, in marketing. Just imagine that you can optimize pricing based on the mood of the moment or the information you have about customers. Let me give you an example. There's this company in the Nordics And they are an AI company that works together with the oil industry. And their dream is that when you go to a gas station that they don't publish the prices anymore, but that you get the prices on your phone. And what they do is they use the existing camera infrastructure to read the license plates of cars. And your license plate is linked to your address. Uh, And your address tells you a lot about your social status in life. And if you add brand of car and type of car to that, you can make a pretty good prediction about the financial possibilities of that customer. So this system can actually assess that certain customers can easily pay up to 10% more than others because they happen to be a little bit more richer than others. Uh, Some people love this idea, uh, but the truth is most people don't like the idea that pricing is based on your own possibilities in life. Um, so this this is one of these examples of Temptation Island. Why don't we add 10% to the price? Because these people can afford it and they will never find out. Um, I'm convinced that if that happens, that other companies will jump on that wagon. Uh, one of my favorite examples now to, to illustrate that is a company called Hopper. It's a Canadian travel app. It's, it's actually the most popular travel app in North America right now. And what they do is brilliant. They If you want to book a flight from A to B, they will tell you this is not a good moment to buy your ticket. Uh, Because we know the price evolutions of airline tickets, they've been studying that for like 10 years. And what they do is they send you a message when it is the best possible moment to buy an airline ticket. And the average discount that you get because of that is like 10 to 15% per airline ticket. Which is of course a wonderful system because we all know that we're getting screwed by the airlines and that those prices are fluctuating and we don't really understand why. They solve that problem. So this is also personalized pricing, perfect moment pricing, but in favor of the consumer. And this is just one example. But if you think about the potential power that you will get as a marketing person in a world of AI, uh, it's it's crazy. It's too tempting. So I believe that in a certain time frame, at a certain moment, we will get the need for algorithm transparency. uh, Like public companies that are on the stock market, they need to be transparent about their financials. Uh, I, I predict that at a certain moment those same companies will have to be transparent about their algorithms because today it's a black box and I don't think the world will accept that a black box takes all those decisions. So experts will have to check that and to make sure that, you know, big companies and smaller companies are are choosing the ethical route in their algorithm uh, creation to make sure that consumers have a fair treatment. And I think this will be one of the most crucial challenges in that world of AI platforms. I want to talk about how non-technology companies will need to deal with a world of AI platforms. How do you play that game? How can you create value um, where that AI platform is like a partner in the day-to-day life of consumers? Um, There there are three things that I would like to to recommend to non-technology companies. The first one is, I think it will become important to become a partner in life of your clients. Uh, today, when, when in, in many of my presentations, I'm talking about how companies need to automate the day-to-day life of their customers. And that's true, but that's just about building convenience. I think what non-technology companies need to do is become a partner in the day-to-day life of their customers. Not just sell your stuff. Make sure that you can help your customers in achieving their goals. Uh, if you're in financial services, how can you make sure that you help your customers to achieve their goals? And and that mindset will help you to move up that brand ladder and make sure that you become a more preferred brand. I think that's one thing. Second thing is you do need technology and you need support to actually be part of that AI um, philosophy and AI ecosystem. I think the truth is for many non-tech companies, it will become more and more impossible to do that on your own. Um, you will need talent and money to get that. And even big companies today suffer with that. If, if you see that... BMW and Mercedes, two of the most leading, uh, prestigious car brands in the world, very successful, have been around for more than 100 years. These guys are working together now to fight against Uber and Lyft. They're not just working together, they actually started a new company together and both invested about a billion euros into that. We're going to see more of that, where companies actually work together, uh, share investments, share talent, because there's too much scarcity in terms of resources uh, both money and and people so you need to deal with that on the other hand i also think that you'll you'll will start to figure out a way how to work together with technology companies because you will need their resources it's like electricity in the past you will need their power to actually create certain benefits to customers that you cannot do on your own so that Ecosystem partnering thinking, I'm sure that's the future. It's not company A against company B, it's ecosystem A against ecosystem B. And you need to figure out how you will add value to that ecosystem, how you can play your role in that ecosystem. That's number two. Number three that I would love to to invite you to is to appoint some friction hunters in your company. And friction hunters are people that look for frictions in the current relationship that you have with your with your customers. I'm, I'm sure if you sit together now with a group of five people, you can easily come up with like 20 frictions. And if you create a culture where you start to solve them or you, you, you think about how you could solve them, you know, that, that eventually creates what I call an offer you cannot refuse as a consumer. It's too easy to work with you. It, it's too good to work with you. And figure out a way how you can build that route to that offer you cannot refuse. And, and by appointing friction hunters, you can actually make it really pragmatic and really make sure that people start to think that way and you can build a culture that improves the customer relationship significantly. And I think that combination, um, partnering day-to-day life, partnering up with other companies and, and tech companies, working with a culture of removing frictions and, and appointing friction hunters, it can help every company to add more value in that relationship with customers. And it's exactly that that you need to play a vital role in a world of AI platforms. That's what I had. Uh, For now, this is the last episode of this short series about AI platforms and what it means for consumer marketing. Uh, Again, as always, let me know what you think. It would be wonderful to hear your thoughts on that, examples that you love that uh, I should look into. If you disagree with certain things, please let me know. I'm always interested in, in hearing your thoughts. Thanks for watching, and I hope to see you again in one of my next videos. Thank you very much.